collector's edition. I'm just saying, I'm, I, I, had, I loved all the uh, Made for Mondays mugs out on social media this past week. Uh, I saw somebody in the lobby. They bought one for everyone on their team. I love it. And uh, you're made for Mondays. I absolutely love where this series has gone. I, I, the way it resonated, and if you missed last week, let me get you caught up to speed. The mugs are for sale. There's just a few left. They're $5. Just covers our costs. But we talked about work is good, that you're made for Mondays, that work is good. Uh, your vocation is your ministry. Your vocation, it comes from the Latin word vocare, and it means like called out, what God has called you out and up to, and that God has something for you to do. And uh, I love the way that people are getting set free. They're like, wait a minute, I can do something for God in the marketplace, in the school, uh, in the neighborhood. I, I have a, a meaning and purpose. And I really believe that Ephesians 4, as we talked about last week, it's for your ministry, but it's not just for what you do in the church community context. It's when the church breaks the huddle. That you are equipped when you break the huddle at church and you're saying, hey, I'm going out into my ministry and the church has equipped me to be able to make a difference where I'm at. I believe Ephesians 4 is for Mondays, Monday through Friday. It's for the ministry. And uh, we talked about this. I, there were two slides that I put up on the uh, screen and I close with. And if you missed it, I just have to give this review and we won't put the slides up again. But we talked about one that uh, the Greeks gave us this dualism that there was a sacred and the secular. And you can put that slide up there. There, there was a, a higher level and there was a lower level and work was in the lower level. We said that was wrong. We said the way to look at it was seeing it as a sphere, if you will. Put the second slide up there. And that was that these things are, are in the middle. They're in your life. They're in that sphere of influence that is you. And you can either move them towards evil or towards God. And so all these things are meant to be moving towards God, including your work. And I love that. Again, so many people, it was like the, the light bulb just went off where they're like, I get it. I can move the marketplace towards the things of God. I can move the school towards the things of God. I can move art towards the things of God. And I absolutely love uh, where we've been in this uh, series and where we're going. Today, we're going to look at um, when work isn't fun or when you're not finding the meaning in your job, when you're not finding meaning, when it isn't fun. Maybe you hate your job. I believe that there's a lot of people that are in this spot where they say, I, I don't enjoy it. I hate my job. Matter of fact, Gallup poll came out in 2013. It's the most recent one I have about work. But they said in 2013, they said 13% of people feel passionate and engaged in their work. 13%. That's it. Barely a tithe, okay? A little bit of kingdom. There's a tithe and a little bit of kingdom builders feeling good about their work and saying, I love it. I'm engaged. And it's not just high paying jobs. It's not just high paying jobs. The Bible tells us um, that even, you know, a job that you use your body, maybe you're not making as much as somebody that's working on Wall Street, but you're using your body. There's something about it. I love what Ecclesiastes 5.12 says. That it says, the sleep of the working man is pleasant. I thought I might get an amen there. I just thought I might. But anyway, the sleeve of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich does not allow him to sleep. You know, there's, there's something about having a job where you work and you feel fulfilled. And it doesn't have to be high paying. It can be something where you say, hey, I was made for this. And even if that's not breaking the bank or giving me riches, I, I love what I'm doing. I have great sleep and I'm fulfilled in what God has called me to do. 13%. 62 or 63%, I'm sorry, are unhappy. 
and they feel like they're sleepwalking through their job. 63%. Now I got to tell you again, I love what I get to do. I, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, yes, I get to go. I mean, this is exciting. Uh, Becca teases me. She's like, uh, only golf and church get you up early. You know, that's it. But I love this. And, and I can remember though, I can remember having a job that I was just going through the motion. I was like a zombie at work, but I loved the pay, but the job was not fulfilling at all. I worked as a plastic injection mold operator. I mean, I watched this machine come together and make a plastic toy, drop it in the bin. I picked it up, checked it out, dropped it in the box. I mean, how many know that was boring, but I loved the paycheck, all right? And I did that while I was in high school, and uh, I, at least it, it allowed me to play on the basketball team. But there's 63% of the people that just unhappy. 24% now, this is the sad thing, hate their job. 24% of the people that are working hate their job, even to the point of sabotaging their work or being subversive at work. They hate their job. One meme I found, it said, things I hate about my job. Number one, getting out of bed. Number two, people. Number three, work. Sounds like a future in government. All right, you know what I'm saying? Hey, just, you know, speaking of that, you know, sometimes the DMV gets ripped on, you know, we get, we rip, you know, some people rip on the DMV. And, uh, but, you know, I, I got to tell you this, this is interesting. Uh, my mom this week went into the DMV to get her tags, you know, get her tabs for her car. And she walks into the DMV and, you know, she wasn't expecting a cheery moment there. And the lady that works at the DMV goes to River Valley. She recognized my mom and yelled, made for Mondays. <laughs> How many know if the DMV is happy, revival is coming? You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. All right. But some of you, you may have a job like Joe versus the volcano. You have brain cloud and you think, man, my life is, you don't know that one. You're too young. All right. But it's a cult classic, Joe versus the volcano. But, but if that's you, if you're like, man, I, I don't know. I'm just going through autopilot. I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm not there. I gotta tell you something. God has something for you in the marketplace. God has something for you in your school. God has something for you in the neighborhood. You were made for Mondays and we need to elevate that thinking. You might be in a dead-end job that you need to get out of, but I want you to grab this. We, we used this scripture last week, but I'll use it again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love that. I love that. I want you to take your life and give it as an offering. You might say, I hate my job. I hate my job, but you have choices today. You have choices. You can take your everyday life, you're going to work, and you can say, God, I place it before you. What do you want to do with this? What do you want to do with it? And I want to speak to some people that you hate your job, all right? I have counseled so many people that really, you're in the hate category. It's not that you're bored. You hate your job. I have counseled so many people, you know, quit your job. Life is too short. Life is, well, they're like, yeah, but what do I, I said, quit your job. Life is too short. It doesn't always work out like this, but I remember a, a guy in our church that worked at uh, Sam's Club, and he said, you know what, I, it's a great job. It's just, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I love the outdoors. I wasn't meant to be in concrete walls. He said, I just, I mean, again, nothing against Sam's Club, but he's like, I just was, I said, quit your job. I said, move up north, go to the Boundary Waters. They're looking for people like you. And he did. 
He's like, I'm done. I'm going. And he went up there, started a, 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 you know, a company where he's taking people into the boundary waters. Then all of a sudden, that opened the door for another thing. Next thing you know, he's a missionary. And he's like, now, now I'm where I'm so, I mean, it just happened to work out like that. I'm just telling you, life is too short to stay there where you hate it. For heaven's sake, please don't sabotage your workplace. But you have a choice. You can hate your job. That's up to you. But I really don't think a follower of Jesus Christ needs to be in that spot where they hate their job. I don't even think Jesus wants you to just accept it and go through the motions. I believe God wants you to embrace it and say, God, I'm here for a reason and try to figure out why you're there. Matter of fact, I believe that God wants all of us in our jobs. I believe he wants us to excel at our jobs. I believe he wants to go to the, uh, us to go to the next level and keep adding more skills to it and, and not only help ourselves, but help others around us. And I believe that for some, I'm, I'm, I believe this, I believe some are supposed to start their own adventure. I'm somebody that always encourages people to step out in faith and start a new adventure. People will say like, we're thinking about starting a new business. I'm like, give it a try. You could lose everything though. And they're like, we know. I'm like, but really, the goal in life is not to die with a bunch of stuff. The goal in life is to bring glory to God. Maybe God wants you to bring glory to him by starting a new business. So step out in faith. Go for it. And I'm always the one that's encouraging people. Of course, I give them that warning, but I, whatever God wants you to do, step out. But don't just exist. Don't just be in your workplace going through the motions. And if you do start your own thing, I want to let you know, if you start your own thing and you're the boss, there's no one to complain about. How many know what I'm talking about? I was complaining about the church maybe once or twice or 10 times. But, um, and uh, Becca, every time I complain, she's always like, well, you're the boss, fix it. And I'm like, thank you very much. All right. So <laughs> let me read this, what Solomon said about work. He said this in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. He's saying Plan, work, do what you need to do. Someday you're going to die. If, while you're here, do this with all your might. Paul in the New Testament talks in a more happier non-death feel. He says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I'm going to tell you that this changes your whole perspective. If you hate your job, if you're just going through the motions, you need to elevate to that scripture right now and realize who you're working for. You're not working for them. You're not really even working for you. You are working for God's glory and God has put you into a place where he needs you so you can work for his glory and for his honor. That should give us an attitude adjustment right now. It's clear from the Bible that we're there to glorify God. Matthew 5 talks about, 1 Corinthians uh, 7 talks about, Colossians 3. I mean, really, if you study history, the Protestant work ethic, if you've heard about this, you know, the Protestant work ethic really was from the Reformation where they're like, they realize, wait a minute, our work matters. It's for the glory of God. We're not working for these people. We are working for the glory of God and we're gonna make God look good in everything we do. Our work can be a, a vocation, a ministry, a vocare. We've got something to do. 
I believe that if we would grab hold of this again, we could, we could really have a revival in the marketplace if we'd say we're going to be the hardest working people because we don't just tolerate our job. We just don't go through the motions. Heaven forbid, we don't hate our job. We excel at this. We love this because we're working for the Lord. I really believe that. And we could be countercultural. All these other people are just mailing it in and we're going to work and we're saying this is for the Lord. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna elevate this and I'm gonna be in a spot where I can elevate this and work for the Lord. It is countercultural and I love it. Um, there's a restaurant I go to, Vivo. Uh, I love that restaurant. It's, it's one of my favorites. And they came up to me the other day. They said, hey, if you got anybody else that's looking for a job, send them our way. We've hired a bunch of people from River Valley Church. We love your people. Man, they come in and they work so hard. I was like, that's, how many, I love to hear that. I was at Noodles. Uh, I'm like, I eat out all the time. All right. I was at Noodles. You notice they're good choices though. All right. So I was at Noodles and, and the manager said, oh, we love hiring the youth group from River Valley. Your students are such good workers. I mean, they are, it's like they're working for the Lord. I mean, he said, the only time we don't like it is when you have youth convention because they all want the same weekend off, you know. It's like, we got to hire some non-believers to cover youth convention, you know. <laughs> We're to work as unto the Lord and we could bring revival. I'd love it that people would say, we want to hire the Christians. We want to hire those people that understand they're working for someone higher than the people that are here on earth. I know that we're working to take care of our needs. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm working for God and then I'm working to take care of my needs. If you have a job that isn't taking care of your needs, please, again, feel free to say, God, help me to find that job that will help take care of my needs. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. He's like saying, hey, it's good to work. You got to work. You got to take care of your needs. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He's like, come on. You got to take care of the needs. You got to take care of one another. It's okay to work to take care of your needs. Another thing we do is we work to help others. We work to help others. And 1 Timothy 6 talks about, you know, telling rich people, he's saying, hey, instruct them to do good, to do as many good deeds as they can and to help everyone, remind the rich to be generous and to share what they have. We work to um, facilitate ministry inside the church and outside the church. When we gather together, we work and, you know, we go and we support things around the church. We say, God, here, I'm using this for your glory and your honor and I want to give and I want to facilitate this here and after we break the huddle, we work so that we're salt and light. I mean, there's so many different reasons why we're working. We're saying, God, I'm working. I want to be salt and light. I want to, I want to help preserve this world. I want to bring light into the darkness. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to use me as I work. It changes the whole perspective. If you hate your job and you start realizing, God, you could use me in this. You could make a difference with me. God, this is for your glory. It's taking care of my needs and I'm able to bless other people and give the missions and do the, I mean, Lord, thank you for this job. It elevates the work. And I think we should ask this question about our jobs. We say, God, how can I glorify you most and serve you and others the most with my vocation? How can I glorify you most and serve you and others the most with my vocation? Now, I want to take a moment and speak to the millennials 
all right? And each of our campuses has varying amounts of millennials, but we thank God that this church is young and trending younger, all right? I love the way my mom greets people at the church when they're older. She's like, hey, welcome to River Valley Church, you know? I don't know, she, she doesn't say, like, we noticed you're old, but trust me, she noticed you were old. And, and she says, this church is not for you. This church is for the younger people. If you love a church that's energetic and full of life for the next generation, you're going to love this church. If you want us to change it so that it ministers to you as an old person, you're in the wrong place. This is a young church. How many love my mom and the way she just, you know, sermon material, and so much good, so much good. Anyway, um, but I love that our church is young and trending younger. Let me speak to the millennials. Um, because if you ask this question, God, how can I glorify you most with my job or in my vocation? How can I glorify you? Many millennials think the only way now to glorify God or to really make a difference is to quit their job and to start some nonprofit or a social awareness thing. It's like, you know, it's almost like they feel bad about, you know, having any other job other than social awareness advocate, okay? And I know that's a broad brush, but I talk to so many of them and they're like, oh, I just want my life to amount to something. And I have facts on this. Forbes magazine did a survey and they said the millennials are the most concerned generation in history about is my job making a difference in this world? Okay, is my job making a difference? And so they're living with this gnawing feeling like, I don't know if it's making a difference. And it's, you know, and the thing that I want to tell you is God can use you to make a difference with your job in the marketplace. We don't all have to quit and start a social awareness campaign. It's not all about, again, it's good that we're doing this, that we're helping dig wells. It's good that we're doing this, that we're setting people free out of human sex trafficking. It's good that we're giving people shoes, but we don't all have to quit our jobs and start that and get a website and get a 501c3 and have every Everybody support us, okay? That's not the holy job, okay? And there's this gnawing feeling, and maybe that just sets some people free that are in that millennial generation because you're thinking, I, I just feel guilty. I mean, I feel like I'm wired this way, and, and I'm in sales, and I'm feeling guilty that I'm in sales. God has wired us all differently. And what if God is using you in your company right now as an account executive to share your faith? What if God is using you in that corporate setting to keep it ethical? Because in that board decision, you're the salt that's preserving it. What if God's using you to keep other coworkers out of jail? What if God's using you to keep a, a flirting coworker from derailing their marriage because you're there as salt and light and you bring light into that situation? You give them the uh uh uh, you know what I'm saying? You're like, wait a minute, that was a little too flirty there. You're married. Think about the difference that you're making in those spots. What if where you're at right now, and again, this applies to all of us, but what if you're in a spot right now? And you don't understand where you're working, but it's just part of where God wants to take you. It's just part of the trajectory. I think about biblically the trajectory of, of Joseph. He's a shepherd. He's a slave. He's a prisoner. He's in the palace. He saves God's people. It's all part of this trajectory. I just believe that God does those type of things. And sometimes he uses our failures to get us into our successes. You're like, I was no good at that. You know, I thank God that Abraham Lincoln was no good at running a business. 
The history tells us Abraham Lincoln was a shopkeeper and he was so bad at it, even after he closed his shop, he had to keep paying off his debts for years and years to come. He was no good at business, so he went into politics. I heard somebody say the other day, if you have no marketable skill, you might be a leader. All right, but anyways. <laughs> but seriously, he goes into politics, finds out what he's really good at, and then all of a sudden, he sets the slaves free. I mean, seriously, what if God has you here to get you there? You can glorify God where you're at. You don't need to be a social awareness advocate to matter. Faithful servants make their mark. Faithful servants make their mark. Read the Bible with that in mind where a faithful servant goes to someone and says, I know somebody that can heal. A faithful servant has something amazing happen because of their influence wherever God had them. Grab hold of that, that God could have you there to make a, a difference on a giant magnitude. But you thought all you were, yeah, I was just a clerk. I was just a teacher. I was, God has you in the spot that he needs you. We should all be praying this, Lord, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you today? Jeffrey Cook in the book, um, Monday Morning Church, he talks about our jobs and when we don't like them or understand them. And he imagines God saying this. He's saying, I've got you on a tough assignment. I know that, but be patient with me. I've got you where I want you. I've got you to make an impact there. I've got you there exactly where I want you to be. And I'm bringing you through this. Don't worry. I'm working in you and I'm working through you. Trust me. Some of you need to hear that. God has you in the right place. And if you can move from just going through the motions to getting where you love it and you say, God, take me to that next level. Let me do something for your glory and for your honor. God can use you right where you are. I mean, I think about all the people that God is using. I... I believe this. Again, Jeffrey Cook in the book, I, I enjoyed reading it this past week. He talks about this. He calls God the great opportunist. He says God is the great opportunist. He says God is working divine setups, and he needs you, and he needs his church in the right spots. That's why I celebrate things like my brother Rick in real estate. And you know what? I feel like he's a pastor realtor. I just see it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I meet people in the lobby. They're like, yeah, we bought a house from your brother. He invited us to church. Next thing you know, we're here. God's changed our life. I see people like Dave, the electrician chaplain. We're bringing people that work for him into our church and then finding Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I see people like Jim, the financial evangelist that's out there. I see people like Rachel. She's the marketing minister, and God has her in marketing for a reason. I see Trinity as the federal attorney uh, pastor, and he's there as a federal attorney, and he's making a difference. And I question why he went into being a lawyer, and now he's a federal attorney and he was teasing me the other day and I was like man you're in the right spot he goes I know I'm glad you're happy with me now I don't have to put you on the no-fly list I was like all right yeah <laughs> Jay is a tech giant that's a living testimony in the tech world we'd love to go tour their facilities Chris is a Hollywood holy man these are friends of mine and he's talking to me about celebrities and people that he's talking to as he's producing a movie and God has them in the right place at the right time. People that I'll never have an opportunity to minister. Do you understand? God has you placed where he wants you. Megan is a creative hope chaplain. Just interjecting God and bits of hope in those moments. 
God is the master at the divine setup and he's able to get you where he wants you. I mean, do you grab this? Your congregation could be surrounding you in the cubicles all around you. Your congregation could be in the break room. Your greatest ministry could happen at the executive level. You could touch more people as a plumber than you ever could as a preacher. That's the way God works. And God wants you to understand, hey, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace this. And as I embrace this, God, if I'm right where you want me to be, let me pray every day. How can I best magnify you? How can I make the greatest impact? How can I love what I'm doing? And if you don't love what you're doing, question if you're in the right spot. Maybe you took it for convenience. Maybe you took it out of family loyalty. Maybe you took it just because of the money. But you're saying, God, I want to be in that spot where I can love it, love what it does for you, and bring the greatest glory and honor to your name. Your work can become your worship if it's done for God's glory. And let me close with this scripture and point out just a, a couple quick things. In Colossians 3, I read part of it, but the Apostle Paul is writing to slaves. Okay, and these slaves cannot change jobs. We have the freedom to do that. And the Apostle Paul is in no way endorsing slavery, all right? He was writing to the reality of slaves that were there. And just to put it in context, in the biblical days, slaves were more like indentured servants. You'd have a great bill, you couldn't pay it, so you'd become an indentured servant to this person. I know there was other slavery going on, but when Paul's writing to this, he's not saying, like, slavery's okay, all right? But he's addressing the current reality to people that are slaves. In Colossians 3, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Your work becomes more than work when you, when you look at this text and you say, you know what, I'm going to stop serving selectively. I'm not going to just work on good days when I feel happy. I'm, just not, I'm not going to work when the boss is watching. I'm going to serve all the time, and I'm going to do this to the greatest detail. You know what some of you need to realize right now in the marketplace? You know who your supervisor is according to that text? The Holy Spirit is your supervisor. If somebody says, why do you work so amazing? You just say, because I have an amazing supervisor. You don't need to tell them, but you say, I have an amazing supervisor. And they'll just think the boss is amazing. But then you'll be outperforming everyone else. They'll just try to figure out like what in the world. You know what you're talking about, Colossians 3.22. You know what? Your work becomes more than work when you start serving passionately. It's like verse 23, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. And your work becomes more than work. It becomes worship. And God elevates you to loving your job and just taking it to another when you serve expectantly. Let me camp on this. Last thing I'll share. Paul's talking to slaves. And he says this. You know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord. Slaves don't receive an inheritance. So this had to blow their mind. He said, guys, do you understand? You're not getting anything here. You're just barely making it. You're paying off your debt. You're a slave. But he said, when you work for God, when you elevate your job to working for God and you take it to another level and you don't just go through the motions, but you start working for God, you're getting an inheritance. Can I tell you this? This, this is a thought that I have. The world doesn't set your wage. Heaven does. 
The world does not set your wage. Heaven does. And when you do anything to the glory of God, God notices and he's given you an inheritance based on the way you're working for him. How many know that cleaning toilets on earth can be minimum wage, but cleaning toilets for the glory of God can reach maximum pay scale? That's serious. You think, you don't set my wages. God's saying, I watch how you're working. I have an inheritance for you. There's something for you bigger than the wages you're earning here. There's something way beyond this. I need you to elevate your job and understand if you hate it, you got to get to the right spot. If you're just going through the motions, you've got to elevate it. I need my people to love it, love who they're working for and realize I set their wages. And God's saying, I want to reward you. I want to bless you. I want to take your job to another level. And I want to bring a revival through you. I want you to be a salt and light. Last week of this series, we're going to talk about how we're going to reach out. Next week, we're going to talk about workaholics. But I want to talk about how, right now, let's elevate our work. Let's elevate our work. Will you do this? Pray with me all across here in our campuses. Close your eyes and just put your hands in an upward position, palms up. Like, Lord, I give you my vocation. I give you my vocation. Lord, uh, we give you our vocation. We give you this. It's higher than just a job. It's higher than just a paycheck. It's higher. Lord, we give it to you. We say it's for your glory and for your honor. It's for your glory and for your honor. And I pray right now, Lord, if people hate their job, I pray right now you'd either just lead and guide them into the right spot or you'd correct their attitude with their palms up. And I'm saying, Lord, it's your job and it's for your glory. I'm actually serving you. So God, I pray that they'd move it up, Lord. Lord, if they're just going through the motions, I pray, God, that we take it to another level. We need to go to another level. No more going through the motions. And lastly, if we love it, we continue to love it for your glory. Do so much good through us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.